Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Good morning. My name is Trish Moya, and in case we haven't met, I am Gabe Moya's wife, the congregational care pastor here. Um, I am a teacher at heart, currently serving as a school administrator at Crozet Elementary. But this morning, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to get to share some thoughts with you from Luke. We're going to take a look this morning in Luke chapter 1 at the Magnificat, which is Mary's hymn of praise and response to God's partnership in her life. Uh, Magnificat means magnify in Latin, and it is taken from the first line of her hymn of praise. I have titled today's message, You Have Found Favor with God. We're going to be looking today at God's invitation to Mary to partner with him in kingdom work and Mary's response to his favor. Today's the first Sunday of Advent, and I don't know about you, but I have always loved the Advent season because there's this call for us to be still and be quiet and maybe sit by a window, right? Watch and wait for the Lord to come. It's a season of anticipation and of getting our hearts right. And there is a different theme for every Sunday of Advent, and today's theme is hope, which aligns really well with our focus today on making sure that we understand that we are living in God's favor. So before we dive into the Magnificat, we need to set the stage a bit with some context. And if you're following along in the text of Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin with Luke 1 verse 28. We need to make sure that we're approaching this text from a correct perspective on the concept of God's favor as he expresses it to Mary. We're going to pick up the story where the angel Gabriel has just arrived to Mary in Luke 128. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, somewhere along the way in history, this verse began to be interpreted a little bit differently. Sometimes you'll see this verse interpreted as, Hail, Mary, full of grace, especially if you come from a high church background. But the thing that we need to be careful about is we need to make sure that we're not Um, thinking about Mary as being full of grace in and of herself, separate from what God did, right? God is the one who is coming to her and graciously bestowing his favor upon her. Mary, even though this image right here is beautiful, right? We see her with the halo and she's praying, often holding Jesus, right? What we need to remember is that this is actually a more accurate depiction of Mary in her socioeconomic uh, context. She was from Nazareth, an insignificant poor village of two to 400 people. 
a remote, uncultured village far from Jerusalem. She was a young, uneducated girl. And the angel Gabriel walks into her room and says to her again in Luke 1, verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And that's the phrase that captured my attention when I started doing my research for this message. And initially I was thinking, I really want to dig into this and find out what was it about Mary that caused her to find favor with God. Well, as you can guess, I was thinking about it from the wrong perspective. What I learned when I started to study the word that is translated as favor here, the Greek root word is actually charis. And that word is translated as grace 130 times in the New Testament and only translated as favor six times in the New Testament. And so these verses, 128 and 130, are two of those times where this word, instead of grace, is translated as favor. So as we think about these verses, the way that we need to think about them, what God is saying to her is, Hail Mary, you favored with my grace, with God's grace. Luke 130, you have been graciously given favor by God. So that's the correct way for us to think about these greetings and this favor that God has brought to Mary. My favorite explanation, uh, as I was reading through some commentaries, was that the idea is always grace in motion. And I, that really captured my attention because thinking about God moving through the world, right, looking for those that he can extend his grace and favor to, grace in motion. That's where the favor in Mary's life comes from. So going on in the text, we see that Mary was told that she would conceive and bear a son and she was to name him Jesus. And shortly after this, she arose with haste and went to visit Elizabeth, her cousin. And I love this next image because I feel like it captures the moment right before the Magnificat actually happens, right? Can't you just picture them? Mary has just come into Elizabeth's home, and when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb, right, John the Baptist, leaps for joy, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Elizabeth says to Mary, my favorite verse, actually, in this whole message, verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. This verse really captures the core of my message today. God came to Mary and graciously blessed her with an opportunity to partner with him, and she believed that there would be a fulfillment of the promise that he had spoken to her. This is the moment right here when the Magnificat happens. Mary's prayer of worship captures so much power in many different layers because she recognizes that God is intervening in human history to fulfill his covenant that has been unfulfilled to this point with his people Israel. And he's inviting her to play a huge role in this process. And in that moment, she bursts into praise. So let's take a look at uh, Luke verses 46 to 55, her 
prayer, and hymn of praise. Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Okay, before we dig a little more deeply into these verses, remember that I'm a teacher at heart, so there's going to be a little bit of active participation in today's message. So if you could look around you, you should see some index cards. Hopefully there's an index card in the seat pocket in front of you or near you. Share with people. I know there's quite a few up front. We can pass them back if we need to. And when you get an index card, the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is make this crosshatch on your card, but don't write any words on it yet, okay? Uh, I'm going to frame our thinking just a little bit, um, so don't write any words on it until I give you a little more guidance around that. I believe that Mary's hymn of praise helps us understand a tension that we can sometimes struggle with. Through his gracious initiative, God seeks out this partnership with Mary, and he also today is seeking out partnership with us. But like Mary, we often face challenges in our lives and deal with messages from the world around us that can impact how we feel about ourselves and our worthiness to step into partnership with God in his work. We often see these messages described as postures of humility or lowliness sometimes. They can be healthy or unhealthy. And if they're unhealthy beliefs of lowliness that we have, they can serve as barriers that keep us from believing that we're worthy or able to step into a role that God might have for us to serve in his kingdom work. So the question is, how do we navigate or bridge that gap that can sometimes exist for us between the feelings and experiences of lowliness and his gracious favor and asking us to partner with him? So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to dig into Mary's hymn of praise to glean some truths about how she bridges the gap in her own life and steps into faith and partnership with him. So on the left side of your card, I'd like you to be listening for any messages and write down any messages that you see um, that might resonate with you, that have been potential barriers for you, or write down, you know, I'm only going to have a few examples. There's lots of messages that we struggle with. So anything that you think you might be believing about yourself or about God that's serving as a barrier in some way. And on the right side, I'd like you to listen for and write down anything from Mary's response of faith that really speaks to your heart. So the first thing that we need to understand before we dive into this is that this same word, charis, 
that is used in Luke 128 and 130 shows up again translated as favor in Ephesians 1 verses 5 and 6. And this verse says, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, with which he favored us in the beloved. That very same blessing of gracious favor that he freely gave to Mary, he is also giving to us. So the first thing I'd like you to do is write on the top of your card, I have found favor with God. All right, now let's take a deeper look into Mary's hymn of praise. The first type of messages of lowliness that I think we can sometimes face are biases that people use to try to marginalize us or inaccurately define our value. The message of lowliness can sometimes be you are lower than or less than because of fill in the blank, right? And these biases can be gender biases, racial biases, socioeconomic biases, educational biases, and that list goes on. I'm sure that many of us have faced those kinds of biases, and when you think about Mary's situation, she faced every single one of these biases. And that could have made her feel very insignificant in her cultural setting, but how did she choose to respond to God's favor? She believed that her value came from God. And how do we know this? We know because of what we see her singing in her hymn of praise. She sang, my soul exalts the Lord, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. She knows that her circumstances are humble, but she also knows that that's not where her value comes from. She sings, behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. The mighty one has done great things for me. She knows that that's where her value comes from, what the mighty one says about her, what the mighty one is doing for her, not any message that society has said about her. She gets it. She knows that she is Abba's child, and that's what gives her the faith to be able to step into this role that God has for her. The second kind of message of lowliness that we can sometimes struggle with are spiritual messages of lowliness, and what do these sound like? Well, we might think something like, uh, I'm a sinner. I have too much sin in my life. I can never be worthy to serve in a role in God's kingdom. Or I'll never be good enough to be used in kingdom work. Or I don't read the Bible enough or pray enough, right? These are all things that we struggle with in our own self-worth. And Mary lived in a world of Pharisees and Sadducees, right? So there were a lot of religious leaders around spouting messages of holiness and righteousness. There were many opportunities for her to feel spiritually lowly. But how did she respond to God's favor? She believed that God would keep his word, in which he says that her righteousness comes from him, not from within herself or from anything that she can do 
to earn it. She sang, starting in verse 50, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. She knows the God of the Bible. She knows his word, and she knows how he has revealed himself in his word, that he has shown mercy to generation after generation. We also know from the Magnificat, another way that we know that she knows her word and believes he's going to keep his word is because she actually quotes scripture 15 times throughout her hymn. There are 15 references to Old Testament scripture that she just sang spontaneously. Mary knows her word. And that gave her the strength that she needed to be able to step with faith into this partnership. The final messages of lowliness that I think we can struggle with are emotional ones. We might feel some of the things that you see up here. I'm overwhelmed by what I'm going through. I'm just not strong enough to do anything else. I'm too stressed to be able to serve God in some way beyond what I, what I have going on in my life right now. Imagine how emotionally overwhelming this situation was for Mary. Think about everything that she had to face as a result of the role that God called her to. But what we see in her hymn of praise is that she leaned into God's strength. She knew she fully realized that she would never be able to serve in this role in and of her own strength. Starting in verse 53, she sings, He is the God who fills the hungry with good things. He provides that strength for them when they are weak. He is the God who has given help to Israel when they needed it. He brought them out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, Through the wilderness, provided manna for them. He is the God of strength and provision. He spoke to her forefathers, leading them and guiding them and giving them the strength that they needed to be able to step into the roles of service in his work. She's leaning into his strength, not her own. And it makes it possible for her to not allow her own fears and insecurities to keep her from stepping into the role that God has for her. Well, as I'm sure, just like all of you, we face challenges every day in our lives that can sometimes be emotionally overwhelming. And I'd like to take a minute to share one example from our family's life that actually relates to our daughter, Elise. Um, All throughout middle and high school, Elise was a volleyball player. And her senior year, she began experiencing pain in her collarbone, and it started to become swollen. So after a series of appointments and tests, um, we were referred to an orthopedic oncologist who told us that it was either bone cancer or a very rare autoimmune disorder called CRMO, which attacks your bones in different places throughout your body. So we had to wait a pretty agonizing three weeks for the results of all of these tests to come back, and we found out that it actually is CRMO. And when we looked that up, it's a one in a million diagnosis. 
So as you can imagine, right, your baby girl gets diagnosed with a one in a million uncurable autoimmune disorder, and you have no idea what that holds for her future. And in that moment, it really doesn't feel like you're experiencing the favor of God, right? If you're thinking about it in an incorrect way, <laughs> right? So what I would like to do is invite Elise to actually come up and join me and share with you a little bit of her own experience. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Elise. <laughs> Um, and as my mom shared, I was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease in high school, um, and I really won the lottery on that one. Uh, <laughs> still waiting for my check. <laughs> but um, yeah, at the time, I also had just recently torn my ACL and MCL, so volleyball was out of the picture as well. Um, and so I went from being a very active uh, teenager to constant doctor's appointments and surgery and testing and, and physical therapy and all these things. Um, and it became very clear to me that my life was going to be different uh, from that point on. Um, and the part of Mary's story that has um, inspired me and continues to inspire me um, is how she chooses to worship um, in the face of incredible uncertainty and um, weight on her shoulders. She chooses to worship God because she knows who God is and she knows who God says she is. And I find that um, in the times that especially things are hard, you know, some days are better than others, um, and every day, worshiping reminds me of those truths as well. Um, it reminds me of who God is and that I can trust in who he says he is and I can trust in who he says I am. Um, and it reminds me that my condition, my circumstance doesn't define me, and it also doesn't define who God is. Um, and I've seen some real good come out of difficult circumstances when, you know, choosing to trust in God's strength and to uh, walk out in those things. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for letting me share that with you all today. Thank you, babe. Love you. So we've come to the feet to our faith moment in this morning's message, and uh, I'd like to share a quote with you from a book that Tyler Staten has written, uh, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, which I highly recommend if you should have some reading time during uh, Christmas break, because I think it speaks to this issue that uh, God speaks to each of us and calls us to partner with him in different ways, in different seasons in our lives. And so Tyler Staten says, wherever you recognize his spirit inviting you to act, say yes. Commit to go, to give, to forgive, to include, to slow down, to rest, because those are also partnering with God, <laughs> to see to hope, to believe, to serve, to speak, to listen, to wait, and to love. The key is to start by being still and listening so that we hear him speak to us not only the truth of who we are in him, but also the call to what he has for us and how he would like us to act in the world and partnering with him to bring his kingdom here 
as it is in heaven. So we're going to spend the next few minutes in some quiet reflection. And I'd like you to listen and really try and allow the Lord to speak the truth of the fact that you have found favor with him to your heart this morning. And does that help to think about a message that you need to let go of that the world has had you hanging on to? Do you need to focus on a response of faith like Mary had? Or do you want to listen for him to share with you a way that he would have you partner with him in this Advent season? So let's spend some time listening and waiting for the Lord to come in our hearts.